Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode two of What's Your 20, brought to you by Ace Relocation Systems. Pretty stoked, fired off, not one, but two episodes in a week. That's pretty sweet, considering we've only been working on this project for roughly 10 days. So yeah, the good news is I'm getting more proficient, because as much as I love the podcast, believe it or not, there are other things to do, uh, like moving household goods. The good news for you is the reduced turnaround time means I can get you the most up-to-date information available in a timely fashion so uh, you guys don't get bored with it and forget about this thing. So appreciate you tuning in. This next episode features Dan Lammers. It also features the president of the California Moving and Storage Association, Steve Weidekamp. Uh, Steve's going to talk about AB5, which is the new independent contractor law in California. And second half of it, he talks about CARB update on carb and uh, what's coming down the pike etc so it's really cool i recommend listening a couple times it's pretty technical it's coming at it from uh you know he's not a lawyer but he's involved in the process so there's some big words i actually had to look up a couple of them myself so i invite you to listen two times just to make sure you catch it all and as always if you have any questions please reach out see yetter at acerelocation.com enjoy here we go so we are good to go for yet another episode of What's Your 20? Hey, it's What's Your 20. I love it. We are having uh, a great time putting content together, and I think what you will hear in the next uh, several minutes is going to be um, timely. We're in the studio, if you will, with Steve Weidekamp from the California Moving and Storage Association. Steve is the president. Steve, you've been the president of CMSA for how long? Yeah, I, thank you, Dan. I, I've been the president of the California Moving and Storage Association since 2006, so 14 years now. So 2006, I can tell you, I can remember meeting you for the first time, it had to be about 2007. You walked into this building and it was right about the same time we were dealing with a bit audit and I thought you were CHP. First <laughs> time I met you, I thought you were a cop. <laughs> have, I ever, I, have I told you that before? You, I don't think you have, but it's a frequent uh, assumption from a lot of people. Well, getting to know you, Steve, we've had some great conversations over the years. We run into each other uh, consistently at AMSA. And uh, one year we were um, on Capitol Hill with AMSA and CMSA, and we were in Brian Bilbray's office. And um, we got invited to something special that night. You... Uh, I remember getting that tour of the Capitol building from Brian Bilbray. That, that was amazing. It was a really unique experience, a great opportunity. Anyone who hasn't had an opportunity to visit the Capitol must do, but we had an opportunity to visit it after hours, all closed down, walking through the halls with a congressman who was very enthusiastic about the history of the building, the process. It just was a great, great visit. Yeah, we were certainly in the right place at the right time. Um, I know that uh, part of your job is representing the industry here in California, and uh, that's never dull. I mean, you, you've gone through the CARB years, and now it's the AB5 timeframe. So Assembly Bill 5 was uh, passed in September by the California legislature and signed into law by Governor Newsom. So leading up to the signature, what was going on in Sacramento? Why did they put AB5 together? So to take a step back, uh, in 1989, the California courts decided that independent contractor determination would be based upon a court case called Barillo and Sons. 
And that was a preponderance of about 20 factors. And they would look at them and it wasn't unlike the IRS standard, but a little more onerous. Then came 2018, a court decision dynamics and the court decided, the California Supreme Court decided that they needed to revisit the way they determined whether people were independent contractors versus employees. And they felt that the Borello standard was just too gray and too vague. And so they made a seminal decision to change the law and to put an ABC test. I think most people are familiar with the three prongs. The, the one that seems the most challenging, particularly for our industry, is the B prong, that your business cannot be the same type of business as your contractor or vice versa. And so the courts made that determination and the legislature, which in California is a supermajority Democratic legislature with a Democratic governor, decided that they wanted to address this issue. And so Lorena Gonzalez, who is an assemblywoman from the San Diego area, with a history of being engaged with organized labor, decided that she was going to carry a bill and that that bill would codify, meaning put into the state law, the labor code, the dynamics decision. And, uh, and so that's how we started that process, the codification of the dynamics court decision into California labor code. This summer there was, or last summer, 2019, there was discussion about getting further up the, uh, the hill in Sacramento and, and progress being made, and they were getting ready for a vote. So you representing our industry, you spent a lot of time in Sacramento calling on uh, the legislature. What was the state industry's position here? Well, yes, we did. We lobbied that bill very hard, AB5, and we had some what we thought was early success in that we wanted a carve-out. We felt that our industry was an appropriate industry for a carve-out. We are the most heavily regulated of the transportation industries in California with the Bureau of Household Goods and Services regulating California movers and other regulations impacting interstate movers. We felt that there was ripe area for carve-out. And in fact, we laid out eight points or so of what we thought needed to be to determine a righteous contractor. We thought that the federal people, the people that were transporting goods on the interstate side would be exempt. But at the direction of the, or the request of the van lines, we added language in our proposal that said, hey, these people also need to be, have some federal preemption. That was dismissed almost immediately. The, the authors of the bill and other parties in the California state legislature said, oh no, we're not gonna be addressing the interstate guys. We're only addressing people that operate within California. Subsequent to that, other parties have come to at least the perception that regulators could reach out and claw back on those interstate operations. And so therefore, they've kind of been dragged into uh, net. So uh, this week here in San Diego, a federal court had a hearing. Uh, there was a temporary restraining order placed on AB5 in regards to interstate transportation. 
they extended that restraining order for an indefinite period of time. It looks like a few weeks before the judge rules on that. Any idea what uh, what he's going to say in regards to interstate commerce? Well, I think there's some real positives there. First of all, him putting that TRO, temporary restraining order, in place is an indication that he believes there's validity to the argument of the F quad A, which is the Federal Aviation Administration regulations, which say you can't impede interstate transit. So I think there is a good basis for that. Uh, Secondarily, there's also been a California Superior Court decision where similarly, uh, the company is CalCartage, and the, uh, the judge has accepted a motion in limine, which means I'm going to take this out of the trial, that motor carriers should be excluded both from the ABC test and from the uh, regulations of AB5. Again, all these things are so up in the air. Even though we have court decisions that seem to be going our way, and we're again lobbying this year for a carve-out, this will be a year where there will be a whole bunch of information and potentially misinformation out there, and we just need to be aware that we're going to the right sources for information that, you know, we don't just accept something because it sounds favorable. A whole bunch of people called me after you that court decision you mentioned where there's a temporary restraining order and said, oh, we got we're good to go. No, it's a temporary restraining order that could be overturned. Or even if this decision, we get a favorable decision from the court, there's always the opportunity for it to be appealed. And so it could take a number of years for this whole thing to play out to come to a final resolution. There's not a clear determination as we sit here today. So a lot of us household good movers uh, do international work, which means containers coming in out of Long Beach, Los Angeles, Oakland, and we're also doing some domestic rail. That final mile is um, provided by drayage companies, and I'm sure that they're feeling the pinch on this too because drayage companies are often owner-operators, but uh, you now are, are more under the Teamsters gun. Um, where those ports are run by union shops and and do you think that the uh we'll see any cost increase or delays for uh, container movement in california so so first of all that cal cartage california superior court decision is related to port drayage and the way i see it again i am not a lawyer and i'm not giving legal advice to anyone the way that i see it is that the the, uh, the international shipment is the same as the interstate shipment as far as the regulatory scheme. It is not regulated by California law. It is an international shipment, even going very short distances, is regulated by the FMCSA rules. So if the interstate operator is clear of the regulation, in my eyes, the, the port hauler or potentially even maybe even expanding that all the way out to the FF&E shipments. Well, I gotta tell you, there's a lot here, and I know that you're probably uh, speaking on this topic every day. Reaching our audience is gonna be key. They're, they're gonna love to, uh, to get this information. These are the same, we're all the same people that were up in arms over CARB over a decade ago, two decades ago now. Right. 
What's on the horizon for CARB? Unfortunately, I think we're not at the end of the road for CARB. With our uh, Senate Bill 1 a couple of years ago that gave us, you know, a gas tax and highway financing, it did have one clear uh, concession, which was that any new regulations that CARB imposes on trucking, that there will be a roll-in period, there will be an extended period. I don't have the number of years right in front of me, but it's at least eight. It could be as much as 13. Somewhere in that timeline is the amount of years for the roll-in. So expect, I mean, their, their goal is zero emission by 2040. Well, if we're still trucking in 2040, then, uh, you know, I'd like to think that we're an organization that is, uh, you know, we want to be a clean, environmentally in tune with what's going on. You see uh, cars, more and more cars are going electric. You're talking about trucks that are, that are going to be electric powered. I mean, who knows what technology is going to bring over that time frame. But uh, looking back over these 14, 15, 16 years of the CARB regulation, there's a lot of people that just weren't willing to move into that space. And a lot of folks went out of business because they weren't going to move the needle or they just left California. Uh, here California is still one of the world's largest economies, number five or number six. I don't think you can do business in the United States and cut out California. It's pretty critical to uh, our industry and anybody else is to be able to come in and out of California. Yeah, we would agree 100%. And unfortunately, that same story that you mentioned is what the legislature and people in politics still wholeheartedly believe that there will be winners and losers in whatever they set up, but in the end, the market will win out and the consumers and citizens of the state of California will be better protected by that. They'll have cleaner air, but they'll cost them more money for that cleaner air. <laughs> 100%. I, I can tell driving around Southern California, I've lived here most of my life, the air is cleaner. Yes, it is. And that cleaned up through a nutrition model. So the difference is air quality control people for many, many years took many steps to improve the air through changes in the way fuel was processed and through the way the manufacturers of automobiles changed their products. So, but that was always an attrition-based model. So what they did was say in 2006, these cars are gonna to need to meet this standard. In 2002, this fuel is gonna to need to meet this standard. What changed dramatically for trucking was that they decided we are going to tell you when your equipment is dead because the diesel engine lasts so long. So they just made determinations of when that was gonna happen. And the line kept changing. And one of the reasons was because of our lobbying. What we were doing in the car process was trying to uh, do several things to delay and to separate. So we wanted to delay implementation and separate different kinds of vehicles. Initially, all vehicles that were diesel were on the same schedule. It didn't make sense. Vocational, small class C trucks, etc., needed some different relief from tractor trailers, which generally turn more miles per year. And so we were able to do that. One thing that people are looking at right now, and I think it's reasonable to think this, mm -hmm. 
is that when CARB happened, the early adopters were penalized because the rule kept moving backwards. And so people that got equipment early, they didn't have to. So they were competing against people that didn't necessarily meet that standard. Uh, so I think we're in a very different environment when we're talking about labor-related issues, but I think that that is one of the points that people are thinking. Maybe I don't need to adapt to this until this happens. Uh, that's not a policy that I can endorse. Right. Of course. Well, we appreciate um, your time here today, Steve, and, and certainly what you do and the California Moving and Storage Association does for the industry. I know that you have your uh, convention coming up in Hawaii this year. What, what you know the dates? And Absolutely. We will be in Kauai April 14th to 19th. I, I would tell anyone who's listening that the California Moving and Storage Association is the only trade association that represents movers that do business within the state of California. We represent everyone from the biggest operator to people with one truck, and we would welcome any of you to join. I think that if you're intending to remain an independent business, it behooves you to understand what's going on, uh, listening to things like this podcast, getting newsletters like we put out, emails, having someone who is your advocate. We are the only advocate for California moving and storage industry, and we lobby on a regular basis and try and be proactive on a lot of issues related to the moving and storage industry. Well, I, uh, I can tell you that the San Diego chapter here of uh, the CMSA is a forward-thinking group. We're having a meeting tonight in conjunction with the International Association of Movers. So you've got Chuck White coming in to speak to uh, the chapter. Uh, in the past, John Becker has been there. John, John Becker will be there John as well, Becker. the interim president of AMSA. So, you know, pretty, pretty powerful group coming into the San Diego chapter for CMSA. That is uh, now probably six or seven years into this, I think. Yes. I always enjoy attending that one. And uh, we're going to see if we can get uh, Chuck White to tell us what's going on with the military. I capture him <laughs> uh, in a moment and get him to join us with a podcast. But I also welcome you to uh, come back and, uh, and give us an AB5 update as things come down. We really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much for having me. And, and thank you to all of the uh, professional van operators out there in the field that do such a great job for our industry every day. There it is, episode two in the books. A big thank you to Steve Weidekamp for joining us on What's Your 20 with the latest and greatest update on both AB5 and CARB. Uh, that is uh, fantastic information. I invite everybody to visit their website. That's thecmsa.org. You can get more information on the organization and all of the things they're doing for moving and storage professionals in the state of California. If you're listening, Steve, I hope you enjoy uh, Hawaii. Coming up on future episodes of What's Your 20, we have a conversation with Clay Peterson, love that guy, and Erica Brown, talking customer service and van operator communication, what each side could do better to help the other because when it comes down to it it's all about taking care of customers and making money so you'll want to listen in on that one we also have a interview with rob smallwood talking dot safety and enforcement from somebody who has a badge so van operators you want to get in on that to find out what dot is looking at when you're rolling through that scale house 
I want to thank you for listening. And if you have any comments, questions, or you want to contribute, reach out to me at cgetter at acerelocation.com. That'll do it for now. Episode two is a wrap. Thanks for listening and be safe. On my knees alone, I'm living on the road. Living is the same to me. Cause I know there's no need. Mm-hmm. Just show me the road. I'm not there. We'll be okay. Do you know what I mean? I wait right here on my knees. Just show me the road. I'm not there. We'll be okay. Just show me mm, You just show me